Happy spring. <laughs> On the Hindu calendar, today is the first day of spring. We were a couple of weeks in here <laughs> through the spring, but um, lots of yellow flowers, which is typical in Vrindavan. Often they dress the deities in yellow and yellow flowers on the first day of spring. So many flowers that come in spring are just coming afterwards. The whole forest is full of uh, yellow flowers and they fall on the ground making carpets on the pathways and, and, and roads. It's like Radharani accepting defeat the hands of the Brihanarmasakas and the Vasant Lilav. Battles of, uh, the Battle of Colors, we should call it. Festival of Colors has uh, now become a popular thing in the world, but it's, 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 an, it's a Hindu religious festival, actually. And of course, it's played out in the Vrindavan Lila as, as well, many ways. But uh, Krishna's friends who are privy to his romantic life and participants in that and go-betweens between himself and the gopis in Radha and so forth are uh, typically was, would, would start the day with um, so, uh, this day with some type of mischief attacking the gopis on their way from Radharani's house to Krishna's house. She comes every day to cook for Krishna in the morning. It's a big um, deal because she's apparently married to somebody else, so what's she doing walking all the way across town every day to cook for Krishna? That's the power of Mother Yasoda's uh, love for her son, and she's the queen of the cowherds, and so by the power of that, she... um, secures Radharani's cooking who Radharani which has been blessed by what Durvas blessed whatever she cooked would be like nectar Amrit means nectar it means Amrit Mrit means death so deathless will become deathless we'll, we'll eat her cooking we'll live forever so the fervent uh, insistence of Yashoda um brings Radharani every day despite her mother-in-law's objections. Hmm. They rose very prominently on one occasion, but um, Krishna and the gopis managed to silence uh, Gutila, Radharani's, Radharani's mother-in-law once and for all. That's another long uh, story. <laughs> but as they come, to Nandamarja's house on this day. There's an attack by the cowherds, Krishna's intimate friends, with syringes of color and and powder balls, of flower balls with the dye. And they, this is the, they throw them and attack the gopis on the way. <clears throat> of course, the underlying hidden ideal is that they will create such a mist of powder that 
on the public thoroughfare, hmm, Krishna will have the opportunity to embrace Radharani, covered by the cloud of the dust that no one will, that no one else will see. Hmm? Of course, her, her her friends who try to protect her from 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 Krishna, who's who's you know, if you're attached to somebody who's not reliable, it's a problem. <laughs> so he appears uh, unreliable uh, in the context of the Leela, so they drag her away from him and, and uh, arrive at the house of Nanda Marsh for the, and you showed her for the cooking. But uh, it's also typical that Purnamasi, the mystic uh, goddess, um, advises them or makes the pronouncement that if on the first day of spring a young girl worships the god Vasant Madan, the, the god of, of spring, under an Ashok tree, then her husband will become very rich and get many cows. So, so this goes into the gopis' ears and Purnamasi is, makes such a statement also to because she also wants to orchestrate the union of Radha and Krishna that the girls' mothers will hear that and think, oh, then we should allow them to go out into the forest today and, and, and find a suitable Ashok tree in order to uh, uh, perform the worship of the god, the god of, of spring and Vasant Madan. Madan means like like Cupid, the Cupid of spring. Spring is, of course, the season of love and uh, uh, very uh, suitable time for for marriages and for falling in love and so on and so forth. And so they have reason to, typically they're not allowed to go into the forest in the day. Krishna's there herding his cows with his friends and so forth. So, it's a, an opportunity, a golden, a golden opportunity, if, if you will. So, they're there, of course, in the forest, and they're picking so many flowers hmm, in the Vrindavan forest in order to do the puja to Vasant Madan under the Ashok tree. Meanwhile, Krishna's has separated from the main body of his cowherd friends and, and gone off with that sector of his friends who, as I say again, are involved in his romantic intrigues and assist him and so forth. And so they're in the forest and um, having themselves a time singing and dancing and uh, throwing colors at one another and so forth. And Krishna hears some singing in the distance. And or Madhu Mangal said, maybe he, he, he will hear it. One of Krishna's such friends who's quite a, uh, a peculiar in that of all of Krishna's friends are cowherds and he is a Brahmin. But we know he's kind of a farcical uh, Brahmin and also privy to all of Krishna's romantic affairs and so forth. So he hears some singing in the distance. Then he asks Krishna, is that an echo of our, of our singing or is that somebody else singing around here in your forest? Hmm. 
you're the son of the king of the cowherds, this is your forest. This, and Krishna said, no, go check it out. <laughs> so this is the typical <laughs> sports of Vrindavan. So Madhu Mongol goes to check it out and there are the gopis picking these flowers and singing beautifully. Hmm? Uh, infatuated, intoxicated themselves by the spring and he then takes them to task. What are you, what are you doing here, picking? These flowers belong to Krishna. Hmm? All these flowers. And we brought him out here for a springtime festival and you're picking all of, stealing all of the flowers. You thieves, flower thieves, I've caught you. <laughs> Red-handed. Hmm? And, uh, and so they uh, band together and instill fear in his heart <laughs> and chase him away. And then uh, uh, he, when he comes back, of course, to Krishna's group, he says, they were goddesses. They were singing they were, they were so beautifully. I was intoxicated by it. It was incredible. And then the other friends say, you traitor! <laughs> Taking the side of the gopis. How can you say that? Hmm. Yeah, This is the kind of intrigues that they uh, are involved in. Hmm. So Krishna sends Madhumangal back, says, don't be, don't be a, uh, like that. Go ahead and tell them who's in charge here and, and uh, tell them to stop picking the flowers and so forth. So, so back he goes and emboldened, right? Um, by the critiques of and the, of the other cowherds and encouragement from Krishna, and he makes uh, registers again his complaint to which they respond that that what do you you know nothing who are you um, uh, you're supposed to be a Brahmin who who knows about pujas worship and so forth and and this is the day on which. If a young girl worships the goddess, the god of spring underneath an Ashok tree, then uh, she can secure a husband who will have many cows and be very wealthy. And therefore we're picking the flowers for, for doing puja, for worship, hmm? not for ourselves. You want to keep them for yourselves or for your, for your selfish friend there, yeah. your religious friend, <laughs> Krishna. Hmm. So, motto. Madhamangal will complain then, of course. He will say that you're going to worship the god of spring uh, when, 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 when the god who can bewilder Cupid, Madan Mohan is the name for Krishna. Madan means Cupid and Mohan means bewilder. So Cupid bewilders everyone, but Krishna is the person who can bewilder even Cupid. Therefore, his love affairs which seem to be one thing on the surface if we hear about them from the sadhus, saintly people, and so forth, they will take lust out of our, our hearts. Hmm. So Krishna is the conqueror of Cupid, or uh, lust, the, 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 uh, uh, um, attracting agent of, of, of the material world. You know. uh, Defeating it is part of actual loving. If we're going to love, then it should be uh, selfless. Hmm? 
holy giving is, of course, the fullness then of, of receiving. That's the mystery of life, that by giving you, you receive. So, of course, in the bodily concept of life, we're being intimidated, if you will, by the biological and psychological sense of self that that um, is not something that endures, so it has needs, and because we've identified with it, and we're in a needy condition, and we bond with others and so forth out of need rather than out of fullness and and capacity to give and so forth. So the spiritual life is, of course, the opposite of that. And the leela of Krishna looks like ordinary leela, but it's arising out of the fullness of the Absolute, and the whole affair is one of of selfless giving on the part of Krishna and and the gopis and the cowherds and so on and so forth. So, anyway, Madhu Mangal criticizes them. You're going to worship the goddess, god of spring, but my Krishna is 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 more uh, attractive than him. He attracts everyone, but Krishna can defeat him, he, and therefore you should come and you should worship Krishna. And I'll be the pujari. So give me your flowers. I'll be the priest. So give me all the flowers. To which, of course, they respond by tying him up <laughs> and caking him with with the colors and the dye and so forth. He's just like, looks like Shiva, you know, like covered with ashes and, and, uh, and so forth. And to which he responds by calling out for Krishna's help. Help, help. <laughs> the big, bold, you know, he went there to, to, to chastise them. Now he's crying uh, in there, uh, having been captured by them, made him mobile. And of course, Krishna hears the call, so off he goes with his with his entourage of friends to rescue Madhu Mangal and insist that he you know, would, would be uh, released and and they unload on the gopis with syringes of color and flower balls full of dye and so forth. It's a huge um, event. Um, and Krishna tells um, Madhu Mangal that uh, um, I think we'll be, we can be victorious. And of course, Madhu Mangal now is, is released Freed, saved. He says, "Of course, we'll be released with my counsel. Of course, we'll be successful with my counsel. How could you not be? I'm a Brahmin. I'm the only Brahmin here. This is his his nature. Uh, and uh, uh, of course, what what comes to pass is that uh, uh, Radha and Krishna, uh, Radha embraces Krishna, and, and Madhu Mangal Haribo. He thinks the whole mission has become." Successful because he's gotten Radha to embrace Krishna, and um, he's the real husband of everyone and brings good fortune to everyone. So it's a typical short window into the kind of uh, the way in which this uh, one of the ways in which this festival that's now become a secular festival around the world practically um, is celebrated in the holiest of places by the um, holiest of people. Krishna and his uh, gopas and gopis, Sri Vrindavan Kijai, Vasant Panchama, Panchama Kijai. So, 
Any questions tonight? Yes. Okay, uh, I have a question regarding uh, mentioned the Bhagavatam that only in Vrindavan does Krishna go barefoot and Narayan wears slippers and only in Vrindavan does Krishna play the flute and only in Vrindavan does he wear the peacock there's certain characteristics of Krishna that are exhibited only in Vrindavan and I'm wondering if those are related to the rasas or there's other reasons behind those mm-hmm. characteristics that he displays. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, Krishna appears uh, slightly differently in different places, uh, which is uh, in um, response to and corresponds with the, the nature of the love of those places and the devotees that reside there. So there's, you know, the basic divide is majestic love, an intimate love where you have Krishna with four arms on a throne as Narayan and a crown and so on and so forth and, and more of a godly, overtly godly type of uh, appearance and uh, Krishna in Vrindavan who's very simple and uh, um, not on the throne and, and accessible and two arms, human-like and so forth and then you have this kind of in between where Krishna is in Mathura and Dwarka, the metropolitan leelas of Krishna rather than the pastoral leelas. And uh, speaking of the Bhagavad Gita and the battlefield of Kurukshetra and so on and so forth, so he appears slightly differently there. So Krishna has the leelas in Vrindavan and the metropolitan leelas. All this is in Goloka. And, then, uh, and yes, outside of Vrindavan, he's wearing shoes in Kurukshetra and... and, and and in the palace and uh, in Dwarka and uh, he's not wearing a peacock crown but he may have a golden crown and um, flute that's that's packed away uh, peacock, peacock feather as well so um, but uh, one thing about the, uh, the barefootedness is that um, is that um, uh, Krishna doesn't wear shoes in Vrindavan um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of which is that he, he, because it's a leela of the greatest intimacy, that intimacy is shared with the earth itself as well. Hmm? So he steps directly on the, on the earth. Hmm? And also, um, by doing so, uh, his footprints can be identified and, and, and followed Hmm? Uh, which was um, very uh, crucial in the Rasalila, hmm? where he disappeared and gopis found him by tracing out his, his footprints, knowing as they did the marks on the bottom of his feet and so on and so forth. And um, um, his mother... On the other hand, when he goes every morning for cow herding, she she would like him to wear shoes because he's going into the forest. And you know, you may around the house, you may not wear shoes, but if you're going into the forest, then she likes to insist that he should. But he says no, it won't, won't be appropriate for cow herding. And then it's just as she said that the cows start going like you know like this and digging their horns into the ground, as if to say, "We'll make it soft wherever he goes. Don't worry about that." 
It's a beautiful thing because what you have here is two rasas, the rasas of friendly love. Krishna and his friends want to go out into the forest and get away from the parents and everything and sport. And meanwhile, the parental love wants to keep him back. So there's this this tension between parental love and fraternal love in one sense is is resolved when the mothers give in and the cows soften the ground inasmuch as the cows are a partial kind of manifestation of motherly love as well, being the milk giver. So they say, we'll, we'll take care of them. So the cows offer some assurance and pacify the concerns of the parental love enough to release him and allow him to go into the into the into the forest um, and uh, and barefooted um, and i I would say that the, the peacock feather is a kind of a crown hmm, if you will that is is not uh, one that distances its wearer from uh, those who might put it on his head. It's it's uh, they they crown him with a peacock feather, as if in play. Hmm? Let's play king and and the subjects. That's one of the things that they. It's it's a it's a it's a anubhav. Uh, a type of ecstasy in the different rasas, the different movements uh, correspond with those uh, emotional ecstasies of fraternal or parental love. Uh, for example, in parental love, one of the ecstasies would be milk flowing from the breasts spontaneously. Um, that's a sattvic above, uncontrollable ecstasy. Anubhavs are another type of movement, anyway, according to the different rasas. So, Playing like king and like cops and robbers or something like that, uh, would, we would do when we were kids, you know, things that kind of thing. It was a long time ago. <laughs> we, we did marbles and stuff like that. Um, but uh, so they would play like this is the here's the king with the subjects and so forth and this type of thing. So they put a peacock feather on his head and 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 so it's not a real crown. Hmm. Um, <laughs> if you will, but it distinguishes him in a way. They'll put the crown peacock feathers on themselves, the coward boys as well, so which is another way in which that, that crowning with the peacock feather differentiates it from the crown he might wear in Dwarka amongst his subjects in the Metropolitan Leela where he's known to be God and that they're just amazed, like, we're in the family of God and he's appearing here on earth as a king, holy cow. Hmm. In Vrindavan, they don't think like that. They just think he's one of us. And we put a peacock feather on his head, and we'll wear one too. Why not? Hmm? And it signifies we're part of his kingdom. <laughs> and then they'll play and so forth. So um, it's uh, it's also um, goes along with the typical uh, ornamentation there of Krishna taking for the different... Uh, uh, Clays, and different colors, and marking their bodies like like that, r- rather than um, uh, any more typical regal type of paraphernalia. Um, so, uh, taking advantage of the natural environment, they create 
things like jewelry, like like the, the valuable necklace of the Gunjamala. Have you ever seen the Gunjamala? The little little their little beads, red and white beads that grow. I mean, it's not like a pearl or a diamond or anything like that. But that is uh, that is a very uh, characteristic uh, type of uh, ornamentation to make a necklace out of the of the Gunja beads. Um, so. And the, and the flute playing, of course, uh, it doesn't really have a place in the Metropolitan Lila where he's a prince and um, he has different weapons and he has an army and so forth. Um, whereas in Vrindavan, that is his weapon, the flute, by which he can capture everybody. Hmm? And he has different notes to call the cows, different notes to call the call the gopis, and, and, and so on and so forth. He can make the river turn into like like land, and the land move like like water. It's, so the power of his flute uh, is very effortless, also, because everyone breathes, and if you just put a flute and breathe into the uh, it makes it very uh, easy, uh, if you will. Effort, almost, it's kind of like effortlessly, but uh, magical is the uh, effect. So, um, it's one of the venu madhurya, one of the th- one of the qualities of Krishna, particularly bearing the flute, that's not found in any other leela or any other avatar of himself. So. So each place has different devotees, has different sentiments, and he appears correspondingly in different ways. And even within Vrindavan, he'll appear slightly different to his parents, slightly different to his friends, slightly different to to the to the gopis. Hmm? Um, so he reciprocates, as he says in the Gita, and in kind uh, for the love that he's. Uh, uh, approached by. Does that help? Yeah. What else? Yes. Um, you said that Balaram is not emotionally complete without Krishna. Um, so I'm wondering how we're to understand the years um, of Nityananda's life before he comes in contact with Chichitana. They were incomplete. They were incomplete. You have to understand, Nityananda Prabhu, who is the Balaram in Gore Lila, when Krishna comes as Sri Chaitanya, his brother, Balaram, who is a particular manifestation of himself, the embodiment of friendly love. See, Krishna is like, I feel like friendly love, and his emotion personifies or this, or that. These are the different so avatars and expansions of Krishna. So, Balaram is is the personification of friendly love. He, he actually is the presiding deity over the rasa of humor. Hmm? Um, what's the name for it? Hasya. Hasya. You might think he would be the presiding deity over Sakya or friendly love, but he's actually the presiding deity over Hasan. He's quite a funny guy, hmm? but Sakya Hasirasa is the best friend of Sakya Rasa. Hmm? 
that's a beautiful and unique insight I can offer to you. <laughs> and you can think about it that amongst friends, when you can just <laughs> laugh so hard that your belly aches, that's really that kind of the, the, the humor, the, 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 the laughter that, that can and so forth that uh, is uh, found in friendship is, is, a, is a sentiment that is the best friend of friendship. So Balaram presides over that. Arasa. And he appears with Sri Chaitanya as, as Nityananda Prabhu. So the question is that the uniqueness, that, as I pointed out about Balaram, is that all the different avatars of Krishna, they're partial manifestations of Krishna, but they're emotionally um, complete and full in themselves. They all have a Lakshmi, a consort, who's an expansion of Radha, hmm? and so on and so forth, except for a couple like Mohini, where Krishna becomes a woman, um, and uh, maybe uh, Naranarayan Rishi, when he becomes a, a Brahmachari, hmm? those, those, those uh, avatars. But otherwise, for every avatar of Krishna, he has his consort with him. Hmm? But... Um, Balaram is also there without a consort. So you see Vishnu lying on the bed of a serpent and that bed is, is Balaram. Hmm? So he's unique. He's not there with a consort. He's there serving Krishna in whatever capacity Krishna appears in different leelas. And he's, in, he's assisting. Hmm? So the point is that, that he, he, unlike other avatars who are partial manifestations of Krishna, as he is also, they are complete in themselves emotionally, whether Krishna is around or not. Hmm? Hmm? Narayan is not dependent upon Krishna being there or Vishnu, but Balaram is never complete without Krishna or Vishnu. As, as Krishna goes as Vishnu, Balaram goes with him. He's with him everywhere. Hmm? It's a unique um, position that he, he holds in the in amongst the expansions and avatars of Krishna. So your question is about Nityananda. If Balaram is not complete without Krishna, then Nityananda cannot be complete without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But in the early part of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela, Nityananda Prabhu is traveling going to all the holy places. So how could he be complete? And the answer is he wasn't. <laughs> what was he doing there? He was looking for Krishna. Nityananda Prabhu is older than Krishna by, than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by about 12 years. And at about 12 years old, a sadhu came to his house, his father's house, and stayed there. The father served him nicely for a few days and then at the time of his departure, the father of Nityananda Prabhu, Hadai Pandit, said to the sannyasi, is there anything I can gift I can give you? And he said, give me your son, I wanna, I'll train him to be a, a sadhu. And Nityananda's father passed out on the spot, woke up, but it was a tradition, so he had to let him go. Hmm? So as a young lad, he went and followed the sannyasi. And typically what happens when you go on Tirtha Yatra, go to the holy places, Hmm? Then you're looking for to find God, right? So, 
Nityananda's going everywhere, and, and really he's, he's looking for Krishna everywhere. Hmm? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has appeared by this time. He's 12 years younger, but he hasn't yet started to manifest himself for his leela. First part of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's leela, he's just a young boy, a schoolboy, and and um, at, 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 by the time he turns just about uh, uh, 20 or so, he, he starts to manifest himself as as, as a great devotee and... Uh, and uh, d- the divinity in him is, is, is apparent and so forth and so on. So when that happens, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu starts to manifest in such a way that his associates start to think, he's got so much love for Krishna, maybe he is Krishna. And they feel in their love for Krishna so nourished by having him in their company that these kind of thoughts come, of course, he is Krishna. And so as that... That as that happens, Nityananda Prabhu has traveled to so many places of pilgrimage, and, and at this time he's arrived in Vrindavan. Now that'd be a good place to find Krishna, right? But he goes to all the temples in Vrindavan, and he sees the deities, and he feels like there Krishna's not really there. Hmm? And then his mind is drawn to the to, to Navadvip, which is the hidden Vrindavan within Vrindavan, the lotus within the lotus. And he comes there, and Mahaprabhu has just started his campaign of Sankirtan. He's just begun this now. That's when Nityananda Prabhu comes on the scene. And he comes to the house of Nimai Pandit, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, at night. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is sleeping, and he has a dream. Nityananda Prabhu is there. Nimai Pandit, wake up! And he's, this great person has come on a chariot with a flag with a palm tree on it, which is the symbol of Balaram's chariot in his in the Metropolitan Leela with the palm palm tree. So anyway, he comes at that time. So he's not complete. He's in separation. He's looking ardently, searching for Krishna everywhere in the role of a sadhu, going to the holy places. And as I say, even he gets to Vrindavan, he doesn't feel that he's there, which means to say, worship of Krishna in Vrindavan after the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, without acknowledgement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, doesn't constitute worship of Krishna at all. Hmm? You understand? This is the point, the point that Krishna makes very forcefully in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm? And so he is Krishna, and he is shows the way to, to understand Krishna properly. And to access... The area, the, uh, the, 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 the inner kind of core of Krishna Leela, that's this Braj Leela. This is a very special window into the life of Krishna in Vrindavan that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu affords us the opportunity to go, go through. Does that help? Good question. Okay. I'm hearing voices. Oh, Brudge is there. What's the time? Anything else? Good night. You have spoken about how Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he writes in his Krishna Samhita that 
the earlier acharyas the six goswamis they wrote their books for a certain class of people or kanishtha vaishnavas but what i am writing is for madhyam vaishnava for a reason one who uses his reason so i was kind of thinking that because of course by reading the books of the goswamis you can get the sense because they are trying to explain things to so for people to get some handle on but also their books are very esoteric at the same time very intellectual and very analytical also so what is a different in bhakti not thakur's work from the goswami's work because of which he makes this statement uh, well um I think that um he makes the statement in light of the circumstance also that he finds himself in in which uh his spiritual tradition cannot in his estimation ignore the influence of the modern world and the time of the goswamis when the, the architects of our lineage 500 plus years ago they didn't have to contend with that at all for example they didn't they it was it wasn't unknown in india uh, that uh, the copernican revolution of of europe hmm, at that time but they ignored it hmm. and they lived in their own mythohistorical realm of bhajan and inner life and uh, uh and cosmology and so on and so forth but at the time but it, but in the uh, at the end of the uh 19th century living in calcutta which was the capital of the british um at the time bhakti vinod felt that his tradition couldn't ignore that and so i think he was talking about a certain kind of interface with the modern world um uh in 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 that um with regard to the leelas of krishna that um uh, were uh, taken as as mythological in a pejorative sense um at the time the goswamis didn't have to contend with with any of that they just told the stories and and people didn't question them there was no reason to well maybe you know how could that be or you know uh, kind of kind of thing they they didn't really go into any of that they didn't deal with that yes they explained the, the theology that underlies the the leelas and so forth and and philosophy and, and uh, you know some heady books like the sandarbas for for example but um they in they and they they contended i should say they contended within those books within the sandarbas for example with other uh, philosophies of the time and they did do that with nyaya and karma mimamsa and uh sankhya 
and so on, um, and so forth. You know, uh, um, but um, not uh, so much to defeat them as as to take parts of them. It wasn't until like maybe Balde Bijibusan in his commentary and Vedanta Sutta he tried to like take on those philosophies uh, directly. Um, um, the Mayabad philosophy was dealt is, is dealt with, of course, repeatedly, and so they were dealing with contending philosophies of the time, um, but not with uh, with the rest of the world outside of India. So maybe he was thinking there were many givens that couldn't be givens for educated people in his time, and that was the world. You know, I mean, there he was. Um, and the world had come to India and it wasn't going to go away. And their thoughts and perspectives and so on and so forth had to be dealt with. And they weren't dealt with by the, with, by the Goswamis who were dealing with a more, um, um, I want to say, um, believing audience, if you will. I mean, they were... There's no question of... You don't have to like make a big case about reincarnation You know, 500 years ago in India. You know, in many other points, so he had to do that, and they were thinking people of the time in the intellectual community of Calcutta, of Hindus who were trying to figure out who are we. The British people say we're heathens, pagans. We don't quite think so, but then they do have some good points too <laughs> on their own. And, and you know, this is this was kind of an existential crisis for Indian uh, religious culture, and there were different ways in which. The Indians responded to it, some by trying to ignore it and so forth, which wasn't very wise because it wasn't going to go away. Mm-hmm. Some by caving into it and 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 uh, embracing those ideas, which have changed a lot since then, <laughs> right? Um, and some like Bhaktivinoda, who sought to like uh, see the value and 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 not lose sight of his and know the value of his own tradition as well and. And deal with the uh, arguments in a way that um, preserved the tradition and shed new light on it. Even so, that was an exercise that he had to be involved in. That his predecessors, in many respects, hundreds of years ago, the founders of the lineage didn't didn't have to. So I think it's kind of relative to the to the uh, the, the time he was in and. And, and so he's saying those books are not going to deal uh, with the intellectual community today. Hmm. Discriminating people who have more information, different information about the world and so forth, they're not going to... They don't answer to the questions that might arise. Hmm. And so there, he thought a need to write in such a way that would do that. And here that's why we're here today, so... It was a good idea. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. And you know, the audience that he's talking to is... Uh, he, he was talking to the think tank people of of within Hinduism in Bengal at the, at, the, at the time. They were all rethinking their, their, their whole tradition and so forth. And, uh, yeah... You did a good job.
All right, so we'll stop there. Shishidaja Gopal ki jai, Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrindakya. Good.